Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Let's back. He's looking. He's looking. He is rolling. He's going to tuck it and run. He is in the end zone. Touchdown, Carson Wentz. <laughs> so there was a time when the Eagles almost moved. And I can't imagine how shitty of a situation that must have been to, to be a diehard Eagles fan. And, like, at that point, you don't have Netflix and Twitter and dumb games on your phone. Like, all you have is the Eagles and, like, Bob Barker. And, and like, that's it. You know, there's just there's not as much entertainment going on. And so to find out that the Eagles might have been leaving town had to have been absolutely devastating to people. Now, thankfully, they didn't because that's the only reason we're here doing this. But the idea of a move must be incredibly catastrophic to an NFL organization and the fans. And we'll talk about that in a minute here on BGN Radio, episode 264. I am Vince Quinn hosting the show. You can find me on Twitter at it's Vince Quinn, and I'm joined by John Barchard. Good evening, everybody, and good afternoon, and good morning. And the year was 1984. They were going to move to Arizona, and uh, thank God that they didn't, because uh, you know the owner had a gambling problem. Yeah, so. good, good old gambling problem, and it was great. <laughs> like one of the th- one of the quotes from him was like, "Yeah, I might have lost. Uh, I think like fifty thousand dollars one night. I'm not sure." And yeah. it's like fifty thousand dollars, and this is the back 80s. Then, yeah, you're like. When everybody's dying for money and gas, uh, yeah, the fifty thousand dollars is was above the mean. I think of average salaries that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's crazy. Like so, far and above. Yeah, it's double what I'm making. So, <laughs> so like same. So for the Eagles, that was one thing. But now we're dealing with the team that actually did move in the San Diego Chargers. And so before we get to all the X's and O stuff, and like trust me, as usual, we will get into everything that San Diego's doing offensively, defensively, matchups, all that good stuff. But 
you got to understand where this team is right now because the organization is in such a strange place. They've just moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. It's a couple-hour drive down the road, and you're switching stadiums, you're switching city names, you're switching fan bases. You're leaving a town that's loved you for decades, something like the 70s maybe the Chargers have been around, 60s, late 60s. So they've been around for a long time. You've been in San Diego all of that time. And then to just be thrust into this market of Los Angeles with a team that's already there in the Rams, you're going to be splitting a stadium with them. I mean, it's it's just a very bizarre spot to be in. And so to start here, uh, John, i got to ask you, because you're a guy that's moved around quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, what was it like for you moving around the way? It sucked, man. It sucked. Moving around all the time stinks. You can never be in one spot. Never feel comfortable. You got to move on to the next thing. You're always shaking hands real quick with, you know, this guy or this person to make friends real quick and trying to figure out the lay of the land. And then once you get comfortable in it, bang, you move to somewhere else. You're like, and then we got to start all over again and do the same process and the process, the process. And it's weird with this team because, like, I don't understand. I don't really get why they did it. And I think this was a stalemate that the owner just like was like, okay. Uh, we're we're gonna leave. Are you sure we're gonna leave? Okay, last chance. And then they did, and then they got there, and it's just like, yeah, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like the, it was an it was an instantaneous thing because you look at the Rams and you go, okay, at least they had the same coaching staff and the same kind of personnel. Everybody knew everybody, and then they fired Jeff Fisher, and then they got their new coach, and everybody was cool because they were settled in. Chargers are dealing with a completely different thing. Not only are they not playing in a stadium that they're not going to be in, it's a soccer stadium. Yeah. It's weird. 30,000 people. And you're going to notice when they walk out, much like they did last week when they were playing the Chiefs, pretty quickly. Like, you know when everybody's going to disappear. It must be quiet. It must be weird. You can see the lines on the field. Yeah, definitely. You can see the soccer mark. Yeah, because that's still more important uh, moving forward. Steve Mason from 710. ESPN, my old stomping grounds, my old bosses when I was uh, out there reporting that they might end up going back. Like, there's all this stuff that's in the air outside of football in the fourth week of the season. You're just like, oh, my goodness. How can these guys stay together? They have a completely new coaching staff. You're trying to get used to everything. You have an aging quarterback. You have some young talent, a pretty decent offensive line, uh, a, a really nice front four, a back end that you have no idea what – what it does week in and week out, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird, and I don't think the Chargers want them or the San Diegans, which is German for whale's vagina. If you don't know already, <laughs> that is true. Uh, is it's so they don't want them back. I don't think anybody wants them back. Like the Chargers are the the weird kid in I don't know the on the West Coast in the bottom of the the state that is just like yeah whatever we can take it or leave it, and that's how I, I'm. It, it looks and feels like the players. Feel that way too. Yeah, and and they should because when you're like the whole process of you got to get all your stuff, you got to move to another city, and you don't have the fans backing you the way they used to. In fact, the you know tens of thousands of people that were following you on Twitter, 
they're probably wishing you were dead. You know, there's all of this like, <laughs> how dare you leave and screw you guys, and I hope you hate the food in Los Angeles and all that kind of stuff. And so you're getting it from everywhere. And it's like, as a player, it's also you got to move all the stuff in your house. You're moving your wife and your kids, and they've got to get adjusted, and they might not be happy. And so like the whole environment, when you pair all the at-home stuff and just moving stuff with all of this new organizational moves with the new coaching staff, like there is a lot going on for San. For and I keep saying it's San Diego, yeah. but Los Angeles. I'm not going to not say it until like I know that they're permanently there. It's the San Diego Chargers who are currently renting in Los Angeles of Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's where I'm at with them. Yeah, the San Diego Chargers of Anaheim, kind of like yeah, the Angels there you do. Go. Yeah, perfect. So, so it's a weird situation and. And with that being said, let's talk about the coach because it is a new head coach. His name's Anthony Lynn, and you might be thinking, who the hell is this guy? Well, that's a great question to ask. Uh, Anthony Lynn is a guy that he's been in the league for a while. He's a running back coach by trade generally. He's been with Jacksonville, Dallas, Denver, Cleveland, the Jets, and most recently he's been with the Buffalo Bills. So couple of years with the Bills. He was an assistant head coach. He was an offensive coordinator. He was the head coach for a week when Rex Ryan was canned at the end of last season. And now he is a first-time head coach for the Chargers. And he's got to navigate a move. So on top of all the things that, you know, uh, it's just hard to be a first-time head coach and figure it all out as you go and assemble your staff and all these things. Well... He's got all these players in a new city, in a town that doesn't really want them. It's a very odd and and peculiar situation to be in. And you have to wonder for a guy like Anthony Lynn, as this team is now 0-3, how does he handle this? And what's the psyche of the Chargers when you go into a game like this? Yeah, and it's, you know, I I had to remind myself of just kind of when you were going through all those things. And he he was, this is this thing that, like, I, I don't know when to, like, so when Terrell Pryor left the Browns, like that looked like a warning sign to me. And then you go, oh, wait, no, it's the Browns. They're, they're, despite what's going on in the front office, that's still probably a bad thing. And who knows, still up in the air. Yeah. Uh, I look at Anthony Lynn the same way because he's been an assistant head coach practically everywhere for the Jets, just like you said, in Buffalo. Uh, and it's so weird because Buffalo passed on him and went with Sean instead. So you're kind of like, well. That's weird. You know, he was there. Maybe they just wanted a completely new regime and somebody that wanted to get, you know, towards the front office uh, and and be in lockstep with them. And I totally understand that part. But some of that still, I'm going to go. Well, that's that's he was a shoe in. Like you know, Buffalo w- was was playing for him. He's one of the most respected guys. You heard all this other different stuff, and then he goes to San Diego, and it's it hasn't been a great start, and it hasn't been a terrible one either. It's just kind of what the Chargers have always kind of been here. It's something where you're like, well, this team hasn't really done anything since 2007, and it's pretty much the same. It's Philip Rivers playing great. It's Philip Rivers playing terrible. It's not really having a, a run game, shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, and they've been through a, a bunch of different a, a different offensive coordinators from, you know, d- d- gurus to guys that got hired to, to different jobs to, you know, offensive geniuses have considered – or have been in San Diego, and they haven't been able to fix the run game or really the the offensive line uh, run game either. They're really good in pass protection. They're terrible with the run, and I feel bad for Melvin Gordon because everybody thinks that he stinks, and they look at his yards per carry, and they go, he's not that great. But 
there's literally nothing in front of them half of the time. So I don't I don't understand it. I don't get it. But they're they're there. They have this weird kind of aura curse that keeps happening around the offense. And at at one point, and I still believe this, that Philip Rivers is probably one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. He's just not. He doesn't even look like that anymore. It's starting to like it started to happen last year. It's starting to peak its ugly head this year. I don't want to say he's done or whatever. They're just really struggling to find any kind of rhythm here, and it's and it's it's really sad. Yeah, he, he's a 36-year-old quarterback now, and he's he's been through a lot. I mean, that's a guy that really hasn't missed many games. He gets hit a ton. He is a very tough guy. He's been a good quarterback, and I respect the hell out of him. But, man, it is getting to the point where I, I just went through the first three games that they played this year, and yeah. you, just, you wonder about Phillip Rivers. Now, statistically, it's not all that bad. He's completing... Uh, where are the numbers here? Yeah, he's got 65% of his passes he's completed, 760 yards through three games. So, you know, 250 yards a game, uh, which isn't awful. But four touchdowns, four interceptions. So it's it's not a great year. <laughs> and the interceptions are, like, really bad. They're, they're big ones in close games. Yeah. And so, uh, and you know, two of them early against Kansas City on the road. So... Not good. Or was that on the road? Yeah, uh, yeah. no, that was – I mean – it's Kansas always, City it, either it's, way. It's always going to feel on the road. They were playing that at home, and you could just – yeah, there was I, – I just rewatched it, or Vince and I just rewatched it together because I was like, am I am I seeing this right? Like, old Phillip Rivers would have one – of, one of the first interceptions you see is Marcus Peters is playing off. Uh, there's somebody in the slot that's on uh, doing an out route – Whoever the wide receiver is on Marcus Peters is doing is is straight going like and Marcus Peters is waiting to see what happens. Normally, you would see the the famous Philip Rivers like pump fake to the out, and then uh oh, the safety doesn't know what's going on. You have a wide open guy that's fifty yard down the field, and instead he just throws it to the out, which is like three yards, a three to four yard miss. Marcus Peters just hanging out there. And grabs it and goes. And the other one, he throws like a hoagie. Like it's just so weird. It's weird to me what how how that happened. Like his arm releases really. Like somebody's throwing you a sandwich or catching a fish or something. It's just I can't explain yeah, it. It's it is weird. He's kind of it's it's more of a heave. It feels like yeah. than an actual throw. It doesn't have like that same bothering him. Almost. Yeah, it yeah. just it it doesn't look right. Like the football's twenty five pounds now. I just it, it, yeah I don't know. I, I look at Philip Rivers. And I do wonder. But the other thing is, with the way he's getting picked off, for me, I'm trying to consider, you know, you're watching the games, you're like, okay, what are, the, what are they trying to accomplish here? And what, what kind of pieces do they have to accomplish anything? You know, what's, what's the right fit for the guys that they have? And when you look at the Chargers right now, I mean, excluding one guy who gets a few looks in Travis Benjamin, they don't have downfield speed. It's not there. This is a very much... Short range, kind of dink and dunking uh, possession team. Like you look at the best receivers on the team: Tyrell Williams, Keenan Allen. They're not burning past anybody. You know, they're they're bigger guys. They have a little bit of speed to them, but they're not fast. And so, you know, they're not going to be going far down the field. Antonio Gates is old as dirt at this point. Congratulations to him. By well, the way. yeah, but. he set the record for touchdowns by a tight end. So. Congratulations to him, and he's had a great career. But at this point in his game, you know he's just nowhere near the player he was. Hunter Henry is a guy that doesn't burn anybody. Like 
the weapons that San Diego has, or there it is. Uh, when I look at this team, <laughs> I just I'm not scared of anything going into this game. My my like in terms of the passing game last week, it was like man, if if Ben McAdoo figures it out and just runs slants with OBJ and Shepard and plays the short game with those guys, yards after the catch, you wonder. And he did that, and it was terrifying when it started to work. But this week, I, I try to think of like how can how can the Chargers beat the Eagles? And through the passing game, I just it's just got to be consistency. I think like it's just got to be steady, stable drives. Yeah, and there is so much like, and 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 that's what San Diego's kind of philosophy is on, on defense, and it's never really changed that much. Except they just don't have doesn't seem like they have the horses to kind of do it anymore. They play this. You know, inside the box, they'll stack at seven, they'll stack at eight, and they play this cover one. But it's the, but it just, it looks weird. Like it's just strange. Like it's, uh, they're expecting the deep safety to just cover the entire field and know what's going on at all times. And you saw what happened in Kansas City. I think Denver did it to them a couple of times too. We're just like, no, we're going to run two personnel. We're going to run ten personnel. We're going to run everything that is that is four wide receivers and a running back we're going to throw it at you or you know two tight ends and and uh, and two wide receivers and a running back and we're just going to spread you out the entire time and that's what it looks like it looks like they're all ending up in man coverage except they don't go play in man coverage they just end up in this weird zone thing and then the safety has to make a decision which you can totally exploit in those intermediate games just like you're saying there Vince to sustain those drives where it's Here's a seven-yard pass there. There's an 11. There's an eight. There's a six. There's a five. There's a whatever. And you just kind of, you know, and it's not like paper cuts. It's just chunks at a time that you can kind of move on these guys down the field, and you'll definitely be able to get shots in deep, which, trust me, we're all dying for. Please, God, Carson Wentz, know. just connect with one of these times. This is a perfect opportunity to go ahead and do that. And I'm not even necessarily saying that you should come out throwing and whatever because you're going to get bored of me saying that all the time with a lot of these different matchups. And let's give let's give Vince a pat on the back here. The run was the way to go last week, and I got to yeah, eat some crow right. here. Uh, mm. But I, I did I do think that that's going to be there is going to be multiple opportunities to exploit these guys run and pass. I think you should open up first and see what they're kind of doing there, and then just kind of. You know, go in there with the Garrett or whoever that they want to go with this week, and and soften up that box a little bit. Yeah, soften up that box, John. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when when I think of what the Eagles are going to do against the Chargers, for me, it's definitely like in the first drive uh, when you're when you're scripting the plays. I am definitely spreading out the field. There's no question. If I don't see at least four wide receivers out there, I think it's a huge mistake. Because yeah. the way they're playing this defense, so if you remember, or you missed it either way, uh, the the Kansas City preview show that we did, we mentioned that Eric Berry, when he was against the New England Patriots, uh, what the Chiefs did is they lined him up directly in front of Rob Gronkowski. The idea was he's going to man up on Gronk the entire game, he's just going to bash him at the line, he's going to make him uncomfortable, and Berry's, I mean, he's one of the greatest safeties to be playing, so he can make those plays in the run game too. Now, the Chargers have been doing the same thing with a guy that's named Jaleel Adai. And he's he's got really long hair. It's an awesome look. I love the really long dreads look. Uh, he's got that, number 37. And he plays right up in the box. And you might think it's a linebacker out there in formations. But no, it is a safety. 
And there's only one safety up top, as John said earlier. And so they will have eight guys in the box. And this wasn't like a strategic thing for a single matchup in a single game. They've done it consistently all three games that they've played this year. And so, yeah, when I think of what the Chargers uh, are going to struggle with, if you open up the field, because for me, I look at this team and I'm not impressed by the linebackers. Uh, I know they've got a young guy at middle linebacker, and he's made a lot of tackles for him and like all rookie team. But I, for, for whatever reason, from what I've seen, I haven't I haven't seen anything impressive. They look like just guys to me. And so, if you can spread out the field, if you're going to have this cover one situation where the safety is out in center field and really trying to prevent the big play rather than that stuff over the middle, you're going to have a lot of opportunities in the middle of this defense to really just destroy them. Uh, big gains, you know, like. Aguilar, this is the game. Got to see it, buddy. <laughs> Definitely. Got to see it. Yep. This is for you. Mac Hollins, this might be a chance for you to get a couple of catches. Get out there in the slot. Make something happen. There's going to be plenty of opportunities with the middle of this team. And if Doug wants to be successful, that's what's got to happen. And Carson Wentz has got to pick on his old teammate, Kyle Emanuel, baby. That's I completely forgot that he was over there because he was, he was I think he was in the same exact draft that Carson Wentz was and. um the, yeah, just like you said, the linebacking cores, it, it, like it's it's okay. I wouldn't say it's good, and I wouldn't even say it's great. I just think it's it's there. It's a it's a it's a bunch of uh, Najee good pluses that are kind of out there, like hanging <laughs> yeah, out. You know, that's it's great. Um, and yeah, I I and I love just just spreading, and th- that's what I'm saying. Like spreading these guys out, they should run that. And and uh and I know I keep begging for it, but also tempo too. Not all the time. I, th- this would be a good spread them out and just keep pounding. Just like we said, seven yards at a time, bang, bang, bang. You f- find those guys kind of down the field there. They're, you know, they're the main strength of of this guy of of this entire defense. And we, you should know the names by now. Is Joey Bosa and it's Melvin Ingram. Those are two guys you need to worry about at all times, and more so uh, uh, Joey Bosa there. But I also think that you know uh, Melvin Ingram, I believe, had two or three sacks last last game there, and uh, yeah. They're, you know, that's 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 the core of this defense. If they're going to be able to go and get to you, that's where it's at. I'm not I'm not scared about anything behind those the the defensive line. And uh, yeah, Vince, you're right. I think you can just it's an it's an opportunity to just screw with the linebackers a lot. And here's the thing too, like so Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Here here's how extremely good and important these guys are. Ingram at this point five and a half sacks. We are three games into the season. He's got five and a half already. Ridiculous. Uh, Joey Bosa has two, and they complement each other. So to say, like, oh, he's only got two. No, Bosa and Ingram are they're a dynamic duo used together a lot in very interesting ways. Like, if you go and watch what the Chargers do, you'll see Joey Bosa line up over the right tackle. Then he's over the left tackle. Him and Ingram have swapped. You might see... Uh, Joey Bosa over the right tackle and Ingram playing over the nose. And sometimes they'll do stunts out of that and twists, and sometimes they don't. And so those guys are moved all around. They're given every matchup opportunity. Like, think of back in the day, right? It's, well, you have John Runyon and Michael Strahan, and whoever (laughs) wins that battle, that's who's winning the day. That's right. Those days are gone. These guys play everywhere, and thank God that uh, Wisniewski came in and looked good. Because if you had Sayamalu in this game, if you had Chance Warmack, 
starting this game. And it's got to be, like, they haven't announced it. It's got to be Wiz, right? Like, who are we kidding? Yeah, are you kidding me with the freaking, well, we're going to see what's happening in the competition. And, like, I want to address that in a second, but we'll get to that because, like, there's some, I I, I still, I'm not over it from the postgame, the the show, and it's, it's still killing me and all the stuff that happened today. But yeah, it's it's 100% Wiz. Yeah, so with Wiz being in there, I feel a lot better about what's going on uh, with Ingram and Bosa. But here's the thing, like as much as you want to, you, you say a lot of times, like, let's scheme around this player. Like when you play the Rams, you might want to scheme around Aaron Donald. There's no scheming around these guys. Mm-mm. They are present all the time. And by the way, on top of the sacks, which they've already generated seven, and that's just what they're credited for, not the times where they've pushed the pocket and gotten the other quarterback sacked anyway by someone else, but they're also second and third on the team in tackles. So, like, these guys are ridiculously good, and they're the key for the Chargers' defense. If they're going to make, if those guys have a good day, if the line for the Eagles doesn't look like it did against the Giants and it looks more like it was against the Chiefs, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, a really long day. And not to say that their middle is anything to snuff at either here, too. I mean, it is really a good, a, a solid defensive line. And you start to, if you're trying to pick and choose, and I don't say this like, well, of course this is the obvious way to go, I would say run it, Joey Bosa. <laughs> you know, but that's not saying much. Like, I still think he sets an edge really well. Um, I, I still think the, the way to go with this team if you're not going to spread them out, is to continue with the zone runs, is to continue with the stretch plays, and just get them to spread out a little more, force their linebackers, put as much pressure as you can on that second level, pull a lot, have Kelsey do some funky stuff, have Wiz do some funky stuff, uh, and it, yeah, they're they're a train wreck, man. I mean, that's that's the one great thing about the San Diego Chargers on the defensive side of the ball is these two guys don't mess with them and don't give them time. I and that's where you kind of like, I, I feel a little more confident. Because as soon as Wiz was in there, the line just seemed okay. Like, everybody just got the magic potion. It was, yeah, hey, this is how we play offensive line. Jason Kelsey even was like, wow, this is great. Uh, And, you know, a lot of different veteran moves from Lane Johnson, a lot of different veteran moves from JP as soon as it went in there because I think they knew, all right, we don't have to worry about this anymore. So, that being said, uh, they are going to have their work come out for them because – they need to play uh, a pretty per- – the offensive line needs a near-perfect game, and if they do, Eagles are going to score a lot of points. A lot of points. Yeah. So, yeah, offensively, I I feel pretty strong about it, and I'm with you when it comes to the running game. Again, I, I think you got to run a lot against this team, and you got to do it – like, right up the middle is the soft spot, I think, for the Chargers, whether it's the linebackers or in the running game, I think you can get enough done against their defensive line. Uh, the Chargers – or not the Chargers, the the Chiefs, the Broncos, and uh, the Dolphins, all were successful in the running game against the Chargers. So it can be done. It can be done for large chunks of yards as well. This isn't like 16 carries and, you know, uh, like 80 yards. This could be like, you know, you can break really big plays on this team because, again, they play this really weird spaced out uh, eight men in the box. And so if you're able to break that, and break the contain, and they're not the greatest tacklers. They were okay from what I've seen at tackling. Well, then you've got so many opportunities to, you're basically in the third level right off the bat, and that's a good situation to be in. So run the ball early, run it often, spread the field, and it should be a good day. Now, getting back to uh, the offense a little bit, and I, I think it's interesting just evaluating the Chargers as a whole. So offensive coordinator 
Ken Wisenhunt. Oh, boy. Former head coach. Ruined so many careers. <laughs> he really did. No, he ruined every fucking quarterback that he went to. I don't, I don't, I don't. This is not a shot if you're a Chargers fan, if you're listening to this at all. Ken Wisenhunt is literal garbage, and he should be <laughs> off of your football team immediately. That guy sucks. And that guy somehow talked himself into way too many head coaching spots. Yeah, he, he's gotten a lot of gigs, and it, it does amaze me. And the thing is that when you're looking at what the Chargers do, like part of it is the weapons. They just don't have speed guys. They're not going to really burn you down the field. The other thing is the interior of their line is a little bit of, uh, a little bit soft, and you're able to get a lot of pressure there. Tim Jernigan, even though Fletcher Cox probably isn't playing and might not even play next week, Jernigan could have a really good day here, and that'll be interesting to see. Um, but do you think that – with the Giants setup, that they would go, okay, well, the best way to neutralize that, even without Fletcher Cox being there, their number one thing that they did, because, listen, it's Eric Flowers, and we were talking about, you know, Winston Justice revenge game last week. Do you think that, like, Phillip Rivers goes, okay, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to throw slants, and I'm going to throw <laughs> quick outs and quick comebacks, and that's what we're going to do and just neutralize these guys and put the pressure again back on the secondary. Yeah, well, if they're smart, that's what they do, and whether or not they're smart is a whole other question because right <laughs> now uh, a big problem, especially in the Chiefs game, is they were predictable. It was just it was a lot of, uh, you know, no no passes really over 10 yards to speak of, maybe one, uh, one or two when it got desperate late in the game, and then the other thing is they did a lot of uh, comeback routes. So they'd go 15 yards down the field, They'd swing it around and come right back towards the quarterback. And that's when they were getting picked off. And that's kind of the personnel they have. So the nice thing is about this, because the Giants did it and it worked. The Chargers receiving core is not the Giants oh, receiving not. core. No, just like you said. And, and that's and real quick, that's the one advantage that I meant to say was, you know, we've talked a lot about this week about Jalen Mills and his targets and how many he's getting like a record-breaking amount of targets. For one week of football at 21. That's astounding. That's And people are going to say, all right, that's OBJ and whatever. Eh, he can't, you know, break records, man. Like, there's a there's a difference <laughs> there, you know? And I'm not saying Jalen Mills didn't play played poorly. Yeah. Because he really didn't. I mean, there's nothing you can do. I mean, the OBJ making those couple of catches, like, well. He's a you generational got, you got, you talent. Got, yeah, you got to tip your hat and go, all right, and enjoy your breakdown afterwards. Which, by the way, speaking of which. Yeah. We all saw this. If you can go back, I don't know if the L22 has it either, but go back and rewind the Jake Elliott uh, field goal right after and look for LeGarrette Blunt and look for OBJ. LeGarrette Blunt is literally running up to him and yelling at him. And then the camera cuts away, and you're like, what? Wait a minute. Come on. And I asked Teron today. I said, Teron, I need you to ask LeGarrette Blunt what he said to OBJ. So Teron asked him, and all he did was laugh and walked away. <laughs> so you know that like he said something horrifically awful to OBJ. But go back and look at the cut because it's like almost instantly. Brendan Ekstrom pointed that out uh, when the uh, when the clip happened. So that so credit to him. But uh, that being said, I do think that what you're talking about with these particular wide receivers, even though Jalen Mills might be targeted for like 15 times again. Because I, I don't think they're not going to throw to him. That's like That tells you a ton about Jalen Mills. Tells you a ton. It also tells you that he's probably playing off most of the time, which he is. 
And the Eagles currently, right now, are first in the league in not allowing big plays and deep, deep threats. I think they're they're one for six. There was only six attempts against them because they're doing what Seattle used to do and still does. They're keeping everything in front of them. They're kind of neutralizing and hiding a lot of the stuff that they can't do right now because they're they're banged up and it looks like McLeod's going to go and it looks like Hicks is going to go and it uh, looks like Fletcher Cox is going to be out for two or three weeks. So, uh, I yeah, I, I don't think that even if there is pressure on the secondary again, it won't be as bad as last week. At least I hope not. And I don't really see anybody kind of I, – I, it, it just fits right into their defensive philosophy with what the Chargers are doing. And you're right. I mean, they, God, it's not even simple. It's predictable. It's also boring. It is a very boring offense. And that's where I feel best about the Eagles' chances is, once again, it's on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's a really good matchup for them. Like, last week we were like, you know, Rasul Douglas versus Brandon Marshall, give me that. Well, hey, Rasul Douglas versus Keenan Allen versus Tyrell Williams, I'm fine with that. I'm I'm totally not worried. So, a a good situation for them. Something we touched on earlier, Melvin Gordon. Because, yeah. I love that dude. I I can't help it, man. He is incredibly fun to watch. And the numbers, they don't do him any justice. Right? This year, I mean, he looks incredible this year. So good. Incredible. 3.3 3.3 yards an attempt. So awful. It's laughable. Yeah. I mean, those are the kind of numbers that on the outside you're like, oh my God, how does this guy have a starting job? He must really suck. But no, Melvin Gordon is fantastic. I mean, his vision, his speed, his balance, he's just generally elusive. He, he is so impressive and fun to watch. And it's crazy because Anthony Lynn is a running backs coach for all this time. Can't get Melvin Gordon going to any real degree. But, like, that's the one guy that I'm worried about offensively in this game, beating the Eagles. It's Melvin Gordon having a huge day. Yeah, it's and it's always kind of like, that's what I'm saying. They'll look at that. Everybody's going to look at that and go, ah, but this, and it, oh, this totally fits in. Like, they can't run the football, and they they, they really can't. I mean, they can't. But that's not because of Melvin Gordon. It's because of the offensive line. And if you go back to even last year and just see – and I'm just double-checking this to make sure. But, yes, yeah, San, San Diego's at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, again, last year in in offensive line, uh, you know, running ability, the 23rd in the league overall. I think there are somewhere hovering around 29th or 30th this year, this this far into the season. 2015 wasn't any different either. So you wonder, go, well, where's Melvin Gordon? He's stuck behind two and three and four of the some of the worst offensive lines ever. Uh, and you look at his ability, and like they literally, he has to create most of his yards on his own, and that's what he's great at, lowering the shoulder. I, I, I think this is the time where, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think if he runs into Michael Kendricks, I'm going to tell you who's going to win that battle in a one-on-one tackling style. So, yeah, that is the time where I would almost do the do the old. Uh, you remember the Saints playoff game in 2013? We're like, oh, they're totally going to throw over everybody. Bang, here they go. They're just stuffing them the wall. I think that would be uh, a, a pretty good opportunity to try and get Melvin Gordon going early. Yeah, they should because here's the thing with Melvin Gordon, too. A lot of big backs, it's hard to tackle them. Like, you know, classically, Garrett Blunt is hard to tackle just because he's a bowling ball, right? They're a bowling ball, like that classic <laughs> football thing. But for for Melvin Gordon, it's so weird because he's not, at, he's not like shady with the incredible jukes or anything. Um, he's just... I don't know. It, it's something about his style when it comes to uh, tackling. 
It's if you don't get a good tackle on I mean a good sound tackle, he's very likely to break it one oh, way yeah. or another. Uh, he's just a very slippery guy and if you just enjoy good running backs, even though know, he's going to he might end up with three and a half yards per carry in this game. Uh, but all the same, <laughs> he is enjoyable to watch. He's a really good player. Now last note here as we talk about uh, the, the chargers and what's going on, two things. one, just fun alternate universe Eagles stuff. Defensive coordinator for the uh, Chargers, Mr. Gus Bradley. Hey, there he is. Yeah. Now, second note, their kicker, John. His name. His name. Young Ho Koo. Yeah. Young Ho. That's yeah. his name. Yeah. Absolutely. That's his first name. Yeah. Young Ho. And it's spelled exactly as you think. How many t-shirts could we have gotten out of that if he was in Philadelphia? Oh, you my know? God. Billions. So... And, I'd uh, have six. Shocking. Uh, not doing so well. Awful. <laughs> like, whoops. And this is the guy that had all the funky uh, YouTube, really cool kicks that like got replayed on SportsCenter every five seconds. You're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. This is great. And then you get into the game, you're like, oh, oh, man, that stinks. <laughs> and, it, and I remember thinking a lot of this because everybody's like, oh, Jake Elliott. Who's Jake Elliott? I want the guy that does all the funky, cool stuff, you know? Yeah, I like young hoes. Come yeah. on. <laughs> and uh, and now no one's giving up Jake Elliott. Amazing how that happens. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. It's two totally different kicking situations now. And like a week ago, it wouldn't have necessarily been the case because Elliott missed a pretty reasonable kick. Uh, 30-something yards, yeah, I think. 30 so, yards. Or 29, I think it was. Yeah, so, yeah. so oh, that's right. That was the first kick he missed under 30 yards, yeah. and that includes college. So that was a big deal. Now, for Young Ho Koo, and I'm always going to say his full name, uh, here's the thing. He missed two really clutch kicks for the Chargers this year. in uh, Or playing Denver, at the very least, 24-21. to 21, It's the end of the game. And Young Ho Koo has the chance to tie the game from 44 yards, and he misses it. Then they get to Miami, and it's a 19-17 game, Miami's favor. Chargers have the ball. They can win the game at the end of time. And uh, and it's, it's a 44-yard kick again, and he misses again. So they've missed a tie, and they've directly flat-out lost the game because he's missed two kicks from 44 yards out. And so the kicking game for this is really going to be interesting, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, from their standpoint, it's a confidence issue for the kicker and, and just how he handles it. And the fact that it might be kind of a road game for the Chargers in their own house. You know, Eagles fans travel well. There's plenty of them on the West Coast. And then on the Eagles side, I'm curious, like, and maybe I'm out of line here, but... I'm curious if Doug Peterson is just kind of feeling the Jake Elliott vibe, and if it gets to like 55 yards at some point yeah, in the game, fuck it, it's, get out there, kid. Yeah, <laughs> like if it's fourth and five, and it's something that he might go for, but he's like, yeah, Elliott, he'll just, he'll just nail this thing. Like we're trotting him out for like 73 yarders and all this crazy stuff. I wonder if he checks with the uh, analytic department. I'll be like, think Elliott can kick this? And then, hold on, sir. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. Yeah, I think he's good here. I think he's good from. From 55 in the San Diego Sun. You know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's just it, it, write, write it into in the first quarter. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so everybody be like happy. kicking is usually the least exciting thing, but but the way that this game is, uh, when it comes to Elliott hitting a franchise record, and I think a rookie record just across the league was 61 yards, and then to have Young Ho Koo. Fascinating stuff, man. All right, so with that, 
We're going to break it down to our Patreon guest. John, tell the people about Patreon. That's right. And, of course, you can go to patreon.com slash Radio, where you can get bonus things from this program, like the fourth quarter, which is our uh, new uh, new bonus, uh, bonus show, bonus content. Uh, after this is done, you can head right on over there, and uh, we're going to be be talking about what we feel great and what we don't feel good about this Eagles team thus far and how much we'll think it'll transfer throughout the rest of the season. Plus, uh, if you, uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this, as it uh, comes out on Fridays, Vince does the uh, the Beast, which is a look at the NFC East. James has now added on his uh, fantasy football waiver wire show on Tuesdays. Plus, you get Eagle After Dark, which is a behind-the-scenes look at kind of what we do here, and we just swap and tell stories. And if you become a Patreon, uh, all those programs are for $5 and up. We've got a lot of great tiers uh, that uh, can uh, fit you in everywhere. And our guests, which are going to be featured on the podcast, and you can be too, are are wonderful $25 subscribers. Uh, And you guys are amazing for doing that. Everyone's amazing for signing up. Go ahead and check it out at patreon.com slash BGN radio right now let's introduce our patreon guest for this evening it is the one the only the beautiful Chris Jastrzemski from uh right here in this building actually like he was down at training camp with all of us he was interning at KYW he is back up in Syracuse Chris what's going on buddy how are you I'm doing well John uh things are still <laughs> sweltering hot up in Syracuse but it's going to cool off soon but other than that you know I'm just loving life. I can't believe you're back up in the queues after all after all this. But uh, what uh, what what are you feeling like, man? I mean, are you taking? Uh, I know is Sunday still hanging around in your head here? It was. It was honestly. Well, since we're recording on Wednesday, it was. Today was the only day, the first day that I haven't really been like hyped about the Jake Elliott kick. I was extremely hyped driving back home Sunday after the game. It was like a four-hour ride. I actually was kind of starting to doze off at like 10, stop by to get gas, and I had to like crank up the Ricky Ricardo Spanish call <laughs> keep myself awake. It's my radio father. Mon- yes. Monday, I was at practice with a bunch of Giant fans at for Syracuse Lacrosse, and they just hated on me, and I didn't really care at all. I just We just wrote on the uh, our whiteboard 61 yards. And then Tuesday was <laughs> a little bit still – hyped about it but then it started to die off but now we're focused i'm ready to uh focus on the chargers because great great game great 61 yard kick but you know we shouldn't be living in the past anymore unlike you know cowboy and redskin and giant fans (laughs) that usually do that all the time not that that never happens i don't know what you're talking about they never do that uh yeah yeah it's amazing to me how kind of and uh, we were even talking about this earlier where it's just like uh, I, the Chargers are such a weird organization uh, in general, and they always were. They were kind of like the weirdo kid that always just hung out in the corner of San Diego. Now they've been moved. Uh, their organization really isn't that great, and they're kind of cursed at the same time too. And uh, it, it doesn't really matter because uh, in the limited times that the Eagles have played them, it always seems like it's been a it's been a really tough game. I think the last time that we or I remember is when they came to. Philadelphia and they played Chip Kelly for the first time and it was the second week of the season and they just slowed everything down in like kind of a weird shootout fashion but I don't know what do you what do you make of the Chargers organization overall and uh, and maybe some some feelings on this week as well 
they could easily be two and one at this point, and Kansas City pretty much ate them up last week. Uh, but Melvin Gordon had a nice act. Not Melvin Gordon because he's a running back. Melvin Ingram <laughs> had a nice day with three sacks on Alex Smith, but he's something someone to watch on defense. But if San Diego or It'll always, always be San Diego, but it's the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, they're, they're, they're going to head back there. They're going to head back there. Back. And just so, so you know, I mean, Melvin Gordon didn't have that bad of a day, too, so you weren't incorrect. Either. Yeah. Oh, well, good. So the <laughs> Melvins had a really good day, yeah. but they could. this team could easily be 2-1 and one if not for uh, Phillip Rivers uh, crashing in late in the fourth quarter or Young Ho not being coo anymore, as Joel and B would say <laughs> after that. Uh, missing two kicks to tie it and beat Miami in week two. So they're still a good team, just need to play 60 minutes, and usually they play like 58 or 59. Yeah, and I feel like that's been uh, that's been their franchise for a very long time. You know, it's just yes. kind of like it's it's always it's stuck. And the reasons, a lot of the reasons why, and I don't know really know, I mean, some of it's on Phillip Rivers, but Phillip Rivers overall to me is like one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time. Of all time, oh, like he is clearly better than Eli Manning, and Eli Manning will always have that upper echelon of that, uh, you know, because of the Super Bowls and whatever. But Philip Rivers could kick the shit out of Eli Manning one on one each day, every other week. San Diego won that thing, uh, but they unfortunately, because they're such a crappy organization, that they didn't really, <laughs> they, they they tried and failed so many times to build a team around him that they've always just kind of hung around and then gave the Chiefs kind of problems, and, and that's really it. But to me, Phillip Rivers is uh, is one of the best quarterbacks that's not talked about enough. Just your quick thoughts and quick feel on what this Eagles team is right now. Can you Do they have any identity, or is this basically like we're just going to strap in each week and, and kind of see what happens here? Right now, I feel like we're just going to strap in and see what happens each week. First couple of weeks, we were passing a lot. I think last week we got – more balanced with the run. I was kind of a little bit disappointed in seeing, well, first we saw a lot of Garrett Blunt early on, and I was happy about that. And then for some reason, Peterson decided to put Wendell Smallwood in. We, When I was I was at uh, Section 133 watching the game, we wanted my section wanted to see a little bit more Blunt come in and because he was dominating that, and Smallwood dominated, and we put in the Honda and Corey Clement. He scored a <laughs> touchdown. I would like to see a little bit more like Garrett Blunt. Kenyon Barner. Who knows what we see from Kenyon Barner this week? We know what he is, but has he changed ever uh, since the end of last season? And you know, just want to see a little bit more Alshon. He didn't have that yeah. uh, good, of, better, uh, good of a game last week. Although he had that clutch catch at the end of the game, which we got blessed with the second. But more of Alshon and more, uh, more of Nelson Aguilar. You know, <laughs> who who would have thought? Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought more of Nelson Aguilar at the slot? I think it'd be, a, yeah. I, th- I think it'll be a, a pretty good week to kind of to kind of see him roll in, and uh, we'll get into the reasons why in just a little bit here. But Chris, we appreciate you hanging out with us uh, for a little bit, and uh, you know, if you're a lacrosse person, he's definitely the guy to follow as well as 
controls some of the uh, some of our SB Nation sister blogs as well. Shout out uh, all of your all of your Twitter handles there, Chris. Yes, um, I got plenty, plenty of them. <laughs> so mine is at cf Jastrzemski, J A S T R Z E M B S K I. I am the, the lacrosse website I work for on SB Nation is called at college underscore cross C R O S S E. I also write for Crossing Broad, by the way. Just started on that a few weeks ago. Uh, you can also crossingbroad.com. Uh, with Kyle Scott. Yes. There you go. Kyle Scott, the uh, the the Apple fanboy, Kyle Scott. There you go. Well, um, that makes a that makes a, a ton of us. So, yes. uh, well, we appreciate. And that's about it. All right. Juice and Blacks, by the way, uh, men's lacrosse manager. Got to follow the best lacrosse team out there. That is not Johnson. Oh, so. I will never follow anything of Syracuse. So there you go. Bang, and neither should you. Chris, we appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for hanging out tonight. Absolutely, John. I hope to uh, see you guys over at Jetro soon. That's right. At the Jetro. We were hanging out at the Jetro together. He actually uh, stopped by and said hello. We will be there every home game throughout the entire season. Jetro parking lot. Lots of fun stuff. Lots of giveaways. And we got some Dallas Sucks beers. Did you see that? No. We got some Dallas Sucks beers from somebody that was uh, loyal listeners of the program. I've forgotten their names. But uh, they are on our Instagram, which you can also find us at uh, BGN underscore radio. Okay, so with that, let's uh, let's bring it back to the Eagles for a moment here because something you wanted to touch on very passionately. Yes. The left guard situation. Now, I'm going to give you the floor. You let it out, big fella. I'm not over it. I'm not over this. And I know that they won the game and it was fine and everything was cool. What the fuck are they doing? Like, who, <laughs> who's in, again, who's in charge here? Who's making the call? Frank Reich says... Isaac Salamalu, bad, bad, bad Isaac Salamalu comes in week two. We're not pulling him. They pull him. You stick the wrong guy again at left guard, Chance Warmack, and then finally, you finally throw in Wiz. And now, you're having a, quote, competition between those guys. Like, just stop. I know that Wisniewski is, for lack of a better term, a dickhead. Like, nobody likes him. I get it. But just, you paid him for a reason. That should be in there. And I can't understand today at practice on Wednesday that even though Jason Kelsey's taken a rest day, which ended up looking like a, a leg injury, and Wisniewski's taken snaps at center, you still have Chance Warmack at left guard. What happened to your third-round pick from two years ago? Did he just suddenly up and vaporize and fucking disappear because you don't get better by sitting on the bench and looking at what everybody's doing. You should have them take as many reps as possible with the ones. Unless you're planning on, like, are you really going to roll out Warmack and Wisniewski, like, next to each other? I, I don't know. Not that it would be any better that Ike's in there, but get him some reps with the ones. Well, do you wonder about the Stoutland factor? Because for this, it's it feels like it might have been something from up top where it's like, all right, Samalo's going to be the guy, and that's it. He's the guy. And then once that went south quickly, Stoutland's probably like, hey, uh -uh. well, look at this film. He sucks. He sucks. Yeah. He sucks. He sucks. I want Warmack in. That's my guy. Let's go Warmack. Like, I, I don't know what else to make know. of it. I don't know. Or put Isaac Salamola at center, his natural position, oh. and put Wiz right next to him. Right? Like, okay. Yeah. Like, what? I, I just don't understand. Like, he just completely disappeared off the... And it's not like he's not practicing. He's practicing with the twos or the threes or who's ever in there. I just find it very odd and surprising that they went from, like, he's... We're not just going to pull him or, you know, five or six bad games in a row to, like, he's not even taking reps with the ones anywhere. 
Yeah, during an injury. So it's it's yes. like the guy that would be in that spot is not playing that spot. It's very strange, and and you do wonder about it because like all competitions are usually like that. If you lose the job, okay, you're the second man in the totem pole. But if that guy who took your job slips up again, then you're going to go right back in. Like how many New York Jets quarterback battles have we seen? You know what I mean? Like there's so many situations like that where those guys always have the chance to hop right back in. And for Samalu to not have those opportunities, it's very odd and, and concerning. Look, he did look great, but yeah, he's a young guy. You invested so much in him. And it, they must just think like it was a catastrophic mistake. Yeah. I don't know. And you just can't. He maybe just really wasn't ready for whatever they were going to feed him. Even though maybe somebody says, "Hey, he's not ready." I don't care. Play him anyway. I don't know. I have no idea. We already announced that he's not, and it would look bad. I don't know what's happening. But also, just to pivot real quick, Doug, I got a brand new beautiful line for you. I don't know. I haven't talked to the trainer. That's it. And you move on because everybody's trying to make you look like a dick and an idiot and you don't know what's going on. And I know from head coaches past, not even in this organization, but from everywhere across the league, once you say something, that's it. That's it. Not every head coach knows what's going on. It's impossible. It's impossible to know, especially with the medical staff. And things can change within an hour because they'll be like, actually, you look pretty good to go. I'm going to try and test it. Okay, cool. Jordan Hicks is not going to practice, and then he's there to practice. That makes you look worse, Doug. Don't you see what they're doing to you? They are trying to do this on purpose. Somebody's trying to do this on purpose, and you need to wake up and recognize that. I don't know. I haven't talked to the medical staff. It pissed everybody off when Chip Kelly said it, but it didn't matter because they couldn't pin you down for anything. Just say that and move on because I'm tired of looking and hearing like, here we go, Doug the buffoon doesn't know what's going on with his own team. Well, uh... Yeah, that's gonna happen still. Like even if he I said, know, but but even it's just like then he's not like th- he doesn't have that clouded of a picture. Well, that's the that's just the problem of Doug Peterson. Look, he he is always going to live with that kind of uh, cloud over him. It's just it's just the way he presents himself. He wears a visor, you know, <laughs> I mean, like all that stuff. He he's got just, really good coaching calves, as Jack Fritz likes mm, to say. Yeah, giddy up. <laughs> no, but he's he's got all this stuff that like when you get it all and you pile it together. It it just looks like he's not the commanding presence, right? Like, we talked about Gus Bradley for a second because he's the D coordinator for the Chargers now, but when he was going to come into town, he's the do-your-job guy. Like, he's big and imposing and defense and nasty and all this kind of stuff, and Doug is never going to be that guy. He is not your, if you dreamed up your ideal leader in some think tank, like, he's <laughs> never the guy that comes out, ever, never. He just doesn't have that kind of command and presence when he's when he's dealing with the public like this. And so even if he was handling himself well, he couldn't win these battles because it it's just the life of being Doug Peterson. And there's, you know, go listen to the Counterpoint podcast uh, that was just released on Wednesday because Jack's right. There is, I, I didn't agree with a lot of what he said, but the one thing he was right about, did you hear the rah-rah speech after the game on Sunday? I didn't. It was terrible. <laughs> it was it was the worst thing I've ever I'm heard in my so life. So unsurprised. Yeah, uh, he's just like, let me tell you a story. <laughs> and it just kind of Jack explained it beautifully. But like, you're thinking, okay, oh god, like, uh, it just it just continually works, l- looks worse every time he opens his mouth. You know. So that's what 
I and it makes me almost want to buy into like, yeah, he's just not. He's I think he's decent, and he might just be bad. And the talent and the play calling just might get him by to scoot by. It's it's uh, I don't know. I I'm in a weird way I'm rooting for Doug, but I know I'm going to be wrong. Is that is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. No, I I hear you. <laughs> like I just like come on, man, snap out of this because I know that like I I think. I think the 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 issue for me is Doug get, gets credit for absolutely nothing, and like that's a problem for me. Like I was just like, how does how do you not get credit for? Every, I mean, Jesus Christ! We talked about the fourth and eight play still forever for four, five, six days. It's almost as bad as Baltimore. Why did you go for two in a meaningless football game? Arguments for for days, for weeks, for whatever. That fourth and eight thing is going to continue on for a long time. Oh, yeah. And, like, nobody's paying attention to, like, yeah, but they also converted the other two, and then the defense stopped them, and, like, they, they, it, it worked. <laughs> you know, like, it might not have been – you might not agree with the process, and I'm not going to get into that again, but, like, how does Doug get no credit for anything? That's where I'm at, too. Like, and Brandon, I think, has said the same thing in a couple of his articles here, but, like, he's done stuff, <laughs> you know, good stuff that, you know – has 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 forced a lot of people open that has created a lot of different mismatches like he's done good things and I'm not I'm not trying to pull him out of the muck and say he's the best thing in the world but he just needs a little more credit than I think we're giving him here's who Doug Peterson is imagine the stereotypical hot chick right and she's dating this guy and he's a jack off and Doug's the best friend, and he's but he's deeply in love. And the guy, you know, then he just ends up being a crappy dude, and they break up. And she's like thirty five, and she settles for Doug because he's always been there. You know, like that's kind of the vibe that Doug Peterson has. It's just that once he got hired, there was such a degree of disappointment, and this is a mistake. And we've just settled into the idea of because look, I think Doug is an is a slightly above average coach, but he's not the superstar. He's not that, definitely not the superstar. You know, he's, not even close to it. Yeah, he's he's not that like that dream guy or dream girl that you have in your head. And so, even as he does things, and they might be right, maybe he's picking up the kids and bringing them home from soccer practice. Well, you're like, yeah, well, fourth and eight. We don't care how good the offense is right now. We don't care about the points scored and the efficiency and, and time of possession and all this stuff because you know what? Fourth and eight. It's just like, you're not that guy, Doug. You know, he was the leftover. <laughs> and so that mentality is, I think it's going to plague him the entire time he's here. He's Shake Shack. That's why I'm like, he's an above average burger, but he's not like, yeah. Oh my God! And I desperately need Shake Shack. Yeah, you're it's not like oh. Shake Shack's great, and yeah. then you're like, okay, that's good. Now what? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like. Now what? That's great. Yeah. He's not Burger King. He's not McDonald's. He's Shake Shack. He's like, oh, that was good. I was, a, I enjoyed that meal, but I'm not satisfied. You know, it's it could because I the burger is a little small. I paid a little too extra, but too extra for it, and now. And now I need something else. Yeah. Shake Shack. Yeah, you're never fully satisfied. Yeah. So, so that is the problem of Doug Peterson. It's a, it's a very strange thing. But yeah, that that guy's never going to get the love. Yeah, uh, even if he deserves it, I don't know what it takes. And but, again, Doug, I don't know. I haven't checked with the medical staff yet. And with that, let's go to the picks. Hit me. It's time to ring the bell and play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. 
The picks are brought to you by the casino at Delaware Park. The sports book at Delaware Park is where you can wager and watch all of the pro football games on Sundays. Go to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. Must be 21 to play. But you don't have to be 21 to watch. Let us head to an interesting game for the line for just the misery of it. And maybe, and we won't be watching it because it's on at the same time, but we'll keep an eye on it. Tampa Bay takes on it. Your New York Giants. I always say your in these segments. I'm not sure why. They're not anybody's. They're not yeah, mine. I don't They're know why you put the Giants on me like Ugh, that. Gross. The football Giants of New York are three-point dogs as they head down to Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay kind of had a, a very odd offensive week where they couldn't really get anything going, uh, mostly because Xavier Rhodes was just punking Mike Evans, and that was bad for my fantasy team, and I didn't like it. I think they are out on revenge here. I think they kicked the ever-living crap out of the Giants, and the Giants go 0-4 here, Vince. Ooh, uh, I don't know. Tampa Bay has been a little bit of a mess. Giants have a pretty good defense. If Xavier Rhodes is slowing down Mike Evans, then I would damn sure bet that Janoris Jenkins can. And so for them, losing a tough game like that that they did, I mean, ah, man, I... It's so tough because for them, their season's basically over. And it's a question of how they handle it. Like, are, are they, do they have that resolve now to go and fight and be desperate? Maybe lo- losing to the Eagles is that. And you know what? For this week, I am, I- I'm going to go with the Giants because they figured it out last week. They know what works for them now. They had no identity for a couple of weeks, and now they've got it. Now that they've got it, they're going to bring it to Tampa Bay. They'll have it for four quarters, and they're going to take them. Yeah, I think this is this I think they broke. I think they gave everything and be like, we can't go 0 and 3. And then they did. And now here comes Brandon Marshall Heat on top of OBJ Heat on top of like owner who's going to discipline them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Something you can get into when you listen to the beast on patreon.com slash BGN radio. Let us go to the NFC West matchup of the week as Denver takes on Oakland after Oakland had a really rough time against Washington, and I was very disappointed in that. Uh, but again, it's a it's an it's the usual minus three for the home team that is the Broncos as uh, Oakland comes in there, and I think Oakland's a little thirsty. Although their defense did get really really exposed to that game against Washington, which was I thought was quite frightful. But uh, who do you like in this one, Denver? I've seen a lot of Denver so far this season, and they're a damn good team. They're just they're flat out good. the the kind of football that Trevor Simeon is playing right now. It's impressive. That kid looks great. I mean, he's he's making good reads. He extends plays with his legs. He's just generally accurate. I think he's been phenomenal. And you consider the weapons that they have there. Even the low end guys. Like I I enjoy watching Benny Fowler play football. As odd as that sounds. <laughs> nice. Uh, C J Anderson looks good. Their defense yeah, is is still really great on the back end. They still have Von Miller, and I like Oakland. I mean, I I get it. They're a really good team. They're well-built, run game, beast mode, all that kind of stuff, but man, Denver at home? I I gotta go with Denver. Yeah, both of these teams went uh, west to east last week. They both lost, and uh, I think they're hungry and thirsty, and I'm with you. I think Denver absolutely crushes this team, and it's weird because the over-unders at like 47, which is on like the teetering of like being a a high-scoring game. Uh, but I like Denver, and I, I like him big. I think I like him by about two scores. 
in this one. All right, let's go check on our friends. It's the Monday night matchup as uh, Kansas City, depending on where you look, six and a half, seven. Uh, I think this one probably is is more towards like seven or seven and a half by the time it's ready to rock and roll. Kansas City's taking on Washington. The Andy Reeds versus the Jay Grudens. Where are you at here, Vince? Man, six and a half is a lot. Yeah. I like seven's and, and, even worse. Uh, yeah, Kansas City, <laughs> like Kansas City is uh, Andy Reid's phenomenal right now. They, flat out, Andy Reid is is super impressive as a coach because you know with all we saw over the years, it was more or less his system. There were certain plays he ran. He very rarely surprised you with anything. He's surprising me every single week. I mean, he's always running some plan. You're like, oh, wow, that's brilliant. Now he's using the shovel pass regularly and all these different things. He's he's really creative. He's fun. He's hard to predict. And it's just been masterful. So I love what they're doing. Man, six and a half it, it, or seven, it, it just seems a lot because they've gotten so many big plays. And I just don't know if it's sustainable to have so many big plays every single week, even with the weapons they have. And so... I like Washington. I think they're a capable team, and I don't think they're winning the game, but when when it's that much on the points, I'll go with Washington. Ring the bell, baby! Kansas yeah. City's going to open a can of whoop-ass on these guys. I I, uh, I don't think the line's fishy. I think that's exactly where it is, it's supposed to be, and I like them by uh, I like them by 10 points. I think you know it's not like going to be a blowout or anything, but Kansas City's defense matches up really, really well against that offense, and that's what I'm going to bank on. I'm with you, but probably not the large plays uh, that uh, that Kansas City breaks out here, but uh, I, I think the death by a thousand paper cuts is, is not great. Rob Kelly, a big factor in that game, by yeah. the way, too, whether or not he plays. Uh, yeah, that's huge. Samaje Pirine is uh, is dealing with a hand, and uh, they fed him the ball a lot, and he still couldn't get a lot of things going. So not looking bad for – not looking good for my draft takes, I should say. All right, the big, the big matchup. Uh – Minus one is really is is so incredibly weird for this game. It's I hate it. Like it 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 kind of feeds into like all right. If I'm taking all the bias out of this and I'm just looking at what Vegas is telling me here. Minus one absolutely stinks for the Eagles. I hate it. I hate this line so much. Uh, so much so I'm going to say the Eagles lose this one because no matter what i think after and we talked about it like the, the eagles match up great against the chargers and this should be the deathbed for them they're already checked out as well this is another 0 and 3 team that shouldn't be really around but like it it's terrible to it, i hate these phrases but i'm going to say it anyway it's one of the best 0 and 3 teams that you, when you when you look at them they're like all right you probably shouldn't be 0 and 3 and it's just really hard to lose four games in a row much on your Giants theory. Like, it's it's really hard to lose four games in a row. Something's, something stupid is going to happen in this game. This smells like a dumb game where they just self-inflicting wounds or something's not going to get going where everybody's like, yay, we're, they, they ran the ball and they ran it really effectively and it might revert and go back to the same thing and everybody's going to get mad about, you know, everybody passing the ball too much. So I, I like the Chargers by a field goal in this one. Man, uh... Yeah, I I look at all of this and I just can't see I can't see the Eagles losing. The, like I I get it with the funny stuff. The funny yeah. stuff to me, if if it were to be what causes the Eagles to lose, it would be that Wentz has a tendency to fumble. Joey Bosa is great. Melvin Ingram's great. They manage to get maybe two sack fumbles, and and that turns the tide of the game. 
and uh, Young Ho Koo can actually make a kick. Uh, <laughs> but no, I look. The matchups are just too good in the Eagles' favor. The fact that Hicks is back, which counters Melvin Gordon, who's my biggest concern. I look at the wide receivers and. Uh, you'd worry about the deep ball with Travis Benjamin, who's a good player, but Rodney McLeod is going to be back, and so I'm not as worried about the third wide receiver, a guy that they don't throw to all that much, beating the Eagles there. Um, it it just feels like a good game for them to win, and I I think the Eagles are going to be a three and one team. I I, I love the optimism. I I think it's and I honestly it should be that. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting the Eagles to go in there and to take care of business, but. Again, it's just it's just everything about this east to west, four oh five start. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like the line. I don't like like what Vegas is telling me. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick with that, and I'll probably talk myself out of it once I uh, get on the WIP pregame show with with Glenn and Dan. I'll flip it and be like, yeah, Eagles are winning this thing by seven. And you know what? I'm gonna go even further than that. A hundred yards on the ground again. Wow. Uh, we're quite quite optimistic. With uh, with this, because I forgot to mention like the connections with Frank Reich and all that there, and you know he was part of that uh, regime that couldn't get the running game going with Melvin Gordon either in a bad offensive line. There's a lot of di- there's a lot of similarities to what he was dealing with there and what he's dealing with in Philadelphia, minus uh, probably like a marquee you know running back here. So uh, I I hope you're right. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say under 100, but still effective, and I'm gonna say like 80. Four yards. Okay, well, I two yards. Well, well, I like you, and I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. Let me give All you right. a number first. Let me okay. give you the San Diego Chargers at this moment are the 31st rush defense in the league Love for it. yards allowed. Love 31st, John. Now, with that being said, 100 yards for the Philadelphia Eagles on the ground. Yeah, under. I'm taking the under. Taking the under 100. You suck because they're going to throw a lot. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, you know, they're going to. It's, Not because I want them to. Yeah. I just feel like they're going to. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a lot of. It's going to be all about the middle one way or another, whether, whether it's the running game or it's going to be the passing game. A lot of work to be had in the middle of the field. It's there. So, uh, definitely interesting stuff. And with that being said, hey, feel free to tweet us your opinions. I'm at It's Vince Quinn. John. I'm at John, at John Barchard. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for tuning into the show. I am Vince Quinn. That is John Bartrett. Had a blast talking all this Eagles stuff with you. Eagles are going to beat the Chargers. Mark it down. Uh, and over 100 yards. So with that being said, we appreciate you guys listening. For the Patreon people, fourth quarter is coming out. I've got the beast for you. That will be out tomorrow. Enjoy those shows. Enjoy your weekend. And enjoy the game. And also, uh, I know for everyone out there that's already subscribed and listening and Tuning in, five-star reviews do go a very long way, whether you're on Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera, you know, on there. And Google Play, we are on a on a new, brand-new app. So, And it is for iOS, it is for Android, plus it has a lot of really cool other local stuff. It breaks it down by that category, and basically everything. It's called Satchel. It's, uh, it's wonderful. You can interact with us. Uh, you can actually get linked up to our Patreon right from there. So go check that out and download Satchel and uh, give it a whirl. Fits on uh, fits on the iPhone, iPad, all that stuff perfectly. So for final thoughts here, I think we can both agree on this one. Hugh Hefner just died. Yes, he did. And so I would like to ask you, and I'll, I will share my story, uh, the first time that you came in contact with a Playboy magazine. Oh, that's easy. My grandfather's house. My grandfather, Your grandfather's my, house? My, grandpa, my grandpa was a subscriber <laughs> to Playboy. And that was right. like the exciting thing. It was just like, 
Yes. So on like holidays and stuff, when the family would get together, you'd be like, all right, it's time to find grandpa's stash. And you would go and find it and look through it and be like, oh, man, check all this stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely, definitely the first time was uh, grandpa's house. So how old were you when you founded a grandpa's house? Uh, how old was grandpa? Uh, grandpa was in his 60s. So okay. I was pro- Good for grandpa, oh, by yeah. the way. Yeah. In his he 60s. Kept, I mean, Hell like, yeah, He man. kept it going. Good for uh, him. Oh. He, uh, man, I, 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 10? I think it was 10 or okay. 11. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was probably eight years old. Yeah. And what happened is, <laughs> there's a school by my house, uh, public school, and for some reason, my brother found a Playboy in a dumpster. Just a giant, <laughs> uh, like, giant, no-lid, huge dumpster. And he hopped in, or one of his friends hopped in, took it out, they're, like, looking at it and all that, and he snuck it back into the house. And so I remember him, you know, Vince, hey, check this out. And I'm like, what? You know, it's a magazine, whatever. So he opens it up, and I, I, can, I can visualize the picture. Like, I remember the, there, right? the, the first time that I, I saw a, a centerfold in a Playboy magazine. There's this woman. She's laying out. Naturally, she's got the big boobs. She's laying on a beach chair, yellow chair. Like, it, it's all so vivid in my mind. Like, that's such a oh, – it's just such a weird uh, – coming of age thing i guess yes that was kind of like the uh the first like rite of passage i guess you know yeah. when you were going in the, to do that which like now it's you know even sounds like a little creepy when we're talking about it because you're like wait you were how old you did what it's just like yeah i don't <laughs> tell you about what, eight-year-old boners yeah. yeah it's just what you kind of did back then you know there's nothing there was no internet there was the, that's how you and that was like always the goal was to be like hey man won't you walk into the gas station pretend like you're 18 Let's just see what happens. Or like, take one off the rack and just run out of there. Yeah, like, trust me, if you were a boy and, uh, well, I mean, we're still disgusting. That's the thing. It's like we are still, especially during that time, like 10 to 18, just don't don't peruse the room is all I'm going to say because it's <laughs> just gross. We, we have no idea what we're doing half the time. Yeah. We still don't when we're, you know, in our 30s and 40s and so on and so forth. So, you know, yeah. It's uh yeah that's that's pretty much Playboy was your teenage years that's that's what I remember yeah so so with that uh, enjoy the Eagles game this weekend I am Vince Quinn here with you on the preview show joined by John Bartrett as always been a blast speaking with you and we'll talk to you next week stretch your hand and I'm gonna chop it off I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss shrimp scampi angel head noodles white wine sauce Rwanda and Ross reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake for baking soda. Cake for soldiers move away from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that and pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear the loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep in You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order. Head nods and cat calls, cuz it's pops in order. Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show. Dallas streets cruising around about 4 a.m. Since that fly shit, the type you never seen again. No meat, no leather. All right, there's this girl in high school, and I forgot her real name because her nickname after the day. I, I met oh, her. No. I met her once, and then her name became Ham. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, we would have, I don't know, there's not a lot of like other schools that had, uh, like weightlifting programs that I'd never been to, but like it was a co-ed weightlifting program as part of the gym course, like PE. Oh. 
Uh, That's and, different. And Ham was doing uh, leg press, right, with like real short shorts on. Uh, unbeknownst to I think everybody in the room and maybe even her, and it was I don't know I don't exactly know how or what happened, but she ended up getting her period like while she's doing <laughs> leg press. Nobody really knows. And the only reason why we do know is because she, like, looked up for a second, and then she left and went to, obviously went into the locker room, but then came back to do leg presses, and maybe there was no tampon or anything, but, like, it was just a wad of paper towels, and every time she went down, you saw the paper towels, like, clear as day, a little bit of red, and you're just like, what the hell? Oh, no. And nobody... Nobody even knew, and the only reason why we looked is because there was this strong smell of ham in the room. It just smelled like lunch meat. We're like, that what? Who is eating a ham sandwich in <laughs> weightlifting class? And we all turned around, and we're like, oh, my God, did I, is, did I just see that? And you look down again like, oh, my God, and it was like, that was it. I felt so bad for her afterward. I mean, like, now I feel so bad for her. At the time, I was a shithead little, like, little teenage kid and laughing my ass off because I was going, <laughs> But can you imagine, like, that was your legacy of high school? Like, you're just, you smelt like ham oh during a, during your period when you didn't have a tampon. In, in front of, like, 20 dudes. Everybody. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, no. 60 people. Oh, no. Oh Guys and girls. Like, oh everybody god. was there. Oh, my God. What year was it? Is it? Did you have multiple years of this then? Like oh, she yeah, was ham was for this, like three years. It was the it was her senior year. It was my junior year. Yeah. So the entire rest of her senior year, everybody called her ham. I don't even know if she found out either. They just. Can you imagine like up, ham? she's at the podium and she's getting her diploma and it's like up next ham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we would have lost it. We would have absolutely lost it. Oh my god. <laughs>